the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here to Pro-America Report. Great to be together. What a show we have coming up. We'll talk with Amanda Melius, the famous, famous uh, documentary maker. Um, she's famous now because the plot against America, excuse me, the plot against the president is the name of the movie, hugely successful. She's also happens to be the daughter of, uh, John Milius, who was, um, among other things, uh, I think he wrote and directed Red Dawn and, uh, also some of the Tom Clancy movies, Hunt for Red October and other ones. I mean, he's a big Hollywood royalty and she's a conservative. So was he, by the way. So is he. Hey, we'll talk with her in a few minutes about her movie and about what's going on. And also we'll talk, we'll check in on Colorado, Colorado. Uh, we have a great friend out there named Jane Schindler. She'll give us an update. Colorado is mostly, uh, well, there's a lot of baking going on and a lot of liberal policies and it's kind of a mess. Uh, but also I'll tell, she'll tell you, Jane will tell you why Dr. Seuss, don't fight too hard for Dr. Seuss. He's a little bit of a lefty. So that'll be fun to hear from her. Great lady. Great lady. So we'll talk to her. Now, uh, what we have to talk about right now, though, is please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and get signed up for the Daily Wink. What you need to know it comes in your email box every morning, 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time, and it tells you what you need to know. You can also get all of our interviews there and I'll check in on all that stuff. And uh, that's all available there. So... But first, what we have to do is talk about what you need to know, and uh, I'll give it to you, and I'll give it to you straight. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. Here's the thing you need to know. In the last 24 to 36 hours, we have had two things happen that are really worth understanding. Now, I set this up for you all. I set this up for you all, uh, I guess, two days ago uh, when we talked about China. And I told you that uh, President Biden's uh, staff had a strange view of China. They're going to the communist regime in China. The Biden staff had said they're not going to try to slow them down. They're not going to try to slow down the communist Chinese regime. They're going to try to help America go faster to keep up. Uh, What? What? What's that? So uh, yesterday, let's see what day it was. What day am I now? Thursday night. Thursday night in Alaska. The two senior Biden administration officials, Secretary of State Blinken and uh, National Security Advisor Sullivan, Anthony Blinken, Jake Sullivan, met with the two and more than that, two Chinese senior diplomats. And the ground rules were two minute opening statements to say what you want to say. And so the Americans went two minutes, two minutes. And then the Chinese communists went. And you know what they don't do? They don't care what your rules are. They went for 22 minutes and eight minutes. And they said... The Chinese said to the face of the Americans, don't lecture us. Don't tell us that we're supposed to behave when it comes to election interfering. You do it all the time, America. And then they said, don't tell us about American democracy. You people have a problem with Black Lives Matter and your people don't believe elections are free and fair. And they lectured on and on and basically said America's not, you know, particularly in a strong position. And then the, the, the two nitwit Americans said, uh, yeah, we are. Uh, yeah, we are. Uh, OK, yeah, we are. Uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And they, they didn't, they didn't walk out of the meetings. What they should have done, Anthony Blinken should have, after the 20 minute thing, he should have looked up at the guy and he should have said, you know what? You're in America and you don't act like that. And he should have turned the table over. 
just flipped the table over and stormed out. That would have shown something. Instead, the Chinese are laughing. They're laughing as a Chinese bureaucrat lectures the Americans, a communist regime, senior member of the Communist Party, lectures America on international and national TV, our TV, their TV, the world's TV, and, and there's nothing, no pushback. No pushback. Now, there is some coverage, by the way, that Anthony Blinken showed up with one of his senior aides has purple hair. I don't know that that matters, although I'm not a big fan of that. More importantly, I don't think that Anthony Blinken or Jake Sullivan or anybody realized that you're not going to play patty cake. These guys are looking to destroy us and to damage America and to damage our standing in the world. So that's one thing you need to know, what you need to know. And that would have been the main thing I would have told you because we, we really are under assault. And there are people that say, well, the Chinese have a problem with their economy. They got a problem with demographics. They got problems of their own. Maybe. Maybe, but you know what the communist regime is willing to do? They're willing to either kill or let their people die. See the Uyghurs, see the Fulan Gong, see others, if they have to for the cause. No American president would do that, nor should they. So they have a different set of ethics and morals when someone says, well, the Chinese have a demographic problem, only until they don't. That's my position. That's my thought. Only until they don't. If they need some people to disappear or some people to not to be there, they'll take care of that. That's what they do. So we were embarrassed. We were embarrassed. It was embarrassing. And now we move on to the thing that in another setting, you would say, oh, come on, man. Come on, man. Don't play that on a loop. But did you see that early Friday, President Biden tried to go up the stairs to Air Force One and he fell not once, not twice, but three times, and the last one was a sort of total faceplant collapse. Now, there's two things you have to know about this, so what you need to know. One, um, I, I hope and pray the guy's okay, because, you know, I know he's 78, and uh, but he's a pretty healthy guy. I mean, most people say he's a pretty healthy guy, or, you know, he's always been sort of energetic and all that, uh, but he didn't look well. And remember, he broke his right foot when he was getting out of the shower and playing with the dog. That sounds like BS to me. It sounds like somebody broke his foot slipping in the shower and they didn't want to say that. They wanted to make it sound more American. Oh, I got my dog and I were playing ball and I stepped on his tail. Give me a break. I doubt it. Anyway, I doubt it. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, someday I think we'll find out the truth. Maybe. But uh, he looked terrible, physically terrible. And here's the other thing. Image matters. So... Your people are getting their tail kicked up and down the street in Alaska. That's I'm talking Biden. Biden's people up there. Our people. By the way, America. We, we need America to succeed. I'm not rooting for failure. And so, and they're getting their butt kicked, their tail kicked up and down this block in Alaska. And you, the next day, try to get on a plane and lend up a face plan. And even when he got up to the top of the steps, my wife, the doctor, you know, the, my, my geriatrics doctor, she said, watch this. He's limping. He's still hurting. He's either hurt himself on that one or he's got a weak leg, the way it looked to her. Now, I hope it's just that he slipped. Uh, you know, uh, on Twitter, Matt Gates, the congressman from Florida, said that uh, Donald Trump told him once that he always, Donald Trump said, I always admired watching uh, Obama go up and down the steps of Air Force One because it's kind of hard. You know, it's a lot of steps. The whole world is watching. You kind of got to be careful. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of theater, but, it, well, it's theater. And right now, Biden is trapped in a disastrous theater in terms of his prestige and, and, uh, and impact. There's nothing worse than people thinking that the top guy 
is not really in charge because you don't have any one person then who can hold people accountable or make things work and move. And so if you think about it, if you say like, well, if, if Biden is looking more and more frail, more and more feckless, more and more ineffective, more and more just weak, it, it and, and in this case, looking almost, you know, incapacitated, it doesn't help because who's in charge? Is it Ron Klain, the chief of staff? Is it Kamala Harris? Uh, is it the uh, the Susan Rice, the domestic security, uh, domestic policy um, uh, head? Is it uh, Jake Sullivan? Is it Anthony Blinken? Is it is it uh, uh, John Kerry? Who's in charge? And it becomes a mess. Even if the person's not in charge, you got to make it look like he is. Because you got to have a unified way to have people respond when you say, hey, what are we doing here? So it is a mess. It's a disaster. And frankly, it's much worse than people realize. And I, I, I'm not rooting for this. I'm praying for Biden. I want him to be better. It's actually really, it's a real threat to our country now. Because once you have people that are, are sort of, un, they're not checked by a strong leader, they're just out there freelancing, you watch what happens. And one of the, it's one of the reasons, by the way, Pelosi's run wild and done her thing, because there's no president calling her up saying, hey, stop embarrassing me. Stop doing that now. I got a plan, too. I want to try to be the president here, and you're not helping me. So it is a real mess. It's a real disaster. And what you need to know, it's getting worse. Almost every day now, it's getting worse. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Amanda Emilius. We'll also talk with Jane Schindler and a lot more. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro, Pro America Report. Our next guest is an old friend of mine, Jane Schindler, and her husband, Jim, too, are, are both uh, extraordinary uh, uh, workers and advocates for conservatism over in Colorado and uh, great friends of the late Phyllis Schlafly for many, many years. And uh, so Jane is uh, is on with us now, and she's going to give us an update. As you may know, our listeners have, have heard me rant, and Jane, you were on, I guess, last year or so. Uh, Colorado's certainly gone to the, I don't know what, to the dogs or to the, to the <laughs> marijuana plant plants or to the Democrats or whatever. So first of all, welcome Jane Schindler to the program. How are you today? Well, I'm good, Ed. I'm just delighted to be on with you. Um, I wanted to give you just a little bit of history of how I got informed by Phyllis Schlafly. Uh, Back in the 70s when we met Phyllis, many of our conservative people here in Colorado uh, joined up with Eagle Forum. And we attended Mm -hmm. many of the conferences that Phyllis put on, and she had such informative speakers such as Dr. Judith Reisman, who exposed Alfred Kinsey and Playboy and the things that she had to say and and uh, information on subliminals, which piqued our interest into checking into children's authors. And that's how we found out all the information on Dr. Seuss. And well, that's right. I want to stop and I want to stop. I want to stop and set this up. This is so important uh, because well, and Jane Chandler, we're talking with Jane Chandler and she's a Colorado leader for Phyllis Schlafly Eagles and longtime activist. And she's we're, I hope we'll touch on Colorado politics, too. But she was the first one when the Dr. Seuss thing happened. She texted me and said, don't get tricked into arguing for Dr. Seuss. It's not actually it's not real. He's a leftist and it's not good for reading and went on. So tell walk us through that, because a lot of conservatives went racing to. Uh, 
say don't cancel, don't cancel. And again, I don't like canceling any books. I don't like burning books. I, I, I like more freedom than not. But you know, you got to you got to know what you're doing here. So tell us what the problem behind uh, Seuss and Silverstein and others are. Well, with Dr. Seuss, Random House Publishers sought him out in 1957 for his expertise in adult cartooning. So he, uh, at the time, Random House had invested a lot of money in the Dick and Jane Luxay books. Well, they weren't going over very well. Parents weren't accepting them. So they had to find a way around phonics. So they hired Dr. Seuss to destroy phonics, and that's exactly what he did. He was given 225 words to have the kids uh, memorize. So memorization went from um, the few words that he put in his books uh, to what he did when he started out was to give us the uh, situation ethics, um, values clarification, and what he did with his books. And parents couldn't understand why their children were becoming so opposed to their values as they went out and bought them Dr. Seuss books. Well, Dr. Seuss spent nine months developing his book, The Cat and the Hat. And so it was a way to get children to defy their parents without the parents knowing it. So in The Cat and the Hat, I don't know if you want me to go into that now, but... Yeah, yeah, please, yeah, please do it, do it. Okay, well, um, Michelle Obama, I mean, he's one of her favorites. He's She's always wearing the cat and the hat. But in that book... Um, Mom's out of the house. It's a rainy day. She told the kids, don't let anybody in. Well, the cat comes, knocks on the door. They let him in, and they spend the day destroying the house and having a lot of fun. Well, just as mother is to come back, they're trying to put things back together. And so the cat says to the children, what are you going to tell mom? We lie. So first they defied authority when they let him in. They destroyed the house. Then it was, are you going to tell your mom the truth? So the cat in the hat was very uh, anti-parent. And so, and then the left loved Dr. Seuss because he promoted uh, the Lorax, which was developed after the first Earth Day. And here we are opposed to the Green New Deal. And yet we're going to run out and promote Dr. Seuss, who promoted the Green New Deal to start with. And hmm. so he was also very anti-war, uh, all the things that parents and conservatives would be for, Dr. Seuss was opposed to. He never had children. He didn't like children. And he just thought it was great that he could get the message to the children around the parents. And uh, so how confusing can you be? So Phyllis, understanding all of this, what was happening in the education arena that the children were so illiterate. So she taught her six children phonics before they ever went to school. (laughs) That's right. So she was way ahead, always was. And so not was she politically brilliant, but when it came to the education area, she um, she knew exactly what was happening. 
She quoted from the experts. She had people speaking at her conferences to educate the rest of us that um, situation ethics, common core, all of that was bad news. And we spend all this money on our educational system in America, and yet we're like something like 37th mm-hmm. in the world yep. as far as illiterate yep. children. Yep. Well, and, and uh, it's so interesting, uh, you know, the history of these things, and, and, and they don't happen in a vacuum, and, and, and so it's. Uh, I'm glad to have the perspective. Now, we're talking with Jane Schindler, who's one of the uh, great leaders, conservative leaders in uh, Colorado. I, I have to move on to two topics, though. One is um, the Democrats run almost everything in Colorado, and they, of course, passed through, pushed through the marijuana uh, legalization a few years ago and all. I, the last time we talked, you were really, really down on, uh, on uh, almost everything. You just thought, you know, it's in the wrong direction. These these people are doing uh, the the governor is doing um, like uh, um, I don't know if it's drag queen story time or story time with uh, you know yes. uh, gay married couples or something and uh, so how, how is Colorado's did the did are the people of Colorado sick of this and are they you know kind of getting frustrated with the Democrats or are they just all sort of uh, it's all baked in now? Well. With our governor, um, you didn't hear much about his uh, sexual preference when he was running for governor. However, when he was elected, that's all you heard. First gay governor elected in Colorado. And so just recently, his um, um, first gentleman, his partner, is a vegan. And so he came out with a proclamation that on um, March the 20th would be meat out day. Now, realizing that the beef industry is like their second or third most important in Colorado. So here he's telling them, don't eat beef. Well, uh, states all around Colorado and the uh, um, Cattlemen's Association have come out to eat meat day to defy, to defy this. So it's interesting, too, that um, crazy as it seems, our governors had legislation introduced to stop pet stores because, you know, some um, Asians do eat cats and dogs. So we just have to stop the pet stores. And then so they compromised and said, OK, OK, we won't stop all the pet stores. If you already have a pet store, OK, but no more new pet stores. So, I mean, the craziness of this governor is just incredible. When he went to the um, state fair and he was riding through the arena, he was booed. Um, he had a whole deal on eat eat uh, the bean sprouts and whatever and don't have beef. And so it's he's really agitating a lot of people. However... We have the same problem in Colorado as people do nationally in that we have a rigged voting system with the Dominion voting machines. So my husband and I spent 40 years exposing the fraud that was going on in our county, and we did expose it, but to no avail. And so if we can't get a handle on how we vote here with the mail-in ballots, um, it won't matter who's running. It will always be mm-hmm. a Democrat. So, All right, uh, Jane, Jane, we're talking with Jane Schindler. Jane, I just got a couple minutes left. Uh, your congresswoman, you've been pretty excited about uh, her. Oh, tell yes. me that. Tell me how that's worked out and, and give us the sort of uh, the insider's perspective on her. She's getting a national profile now. So uh, tell us about her. Lauren Bobert, she's wonderful. 
she decided to run a primary against one of our congressmen. He was a Republican, but he was a do-nothing Republican. So they didn't expect her to win. She defeated this uh, six-term congressman, uh, and she's just great. She has a, um, a restaurant in Rifle, Colorado, which is very fitting. Her uh, waitresses all carry guns. And she made national news when she opposed uh, one of the presidential candidates who said he was going to take our guns away. And she confronted him and said, hell no, you're not taking my guns. You're not going to leave women defenseless. So we love Lauren Burbert. She's just put out a, uh, a video, which is wonderful, in that she's walking along the fence that surrounds the White House. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get rid of the the border fence at the border, but yet we can have this fence around the White House. So Lauren says, Nancy Pelosi, tear down this <laughs> it is. That's perfect. I saw that video and I thought she really has. Uh, she's a perfect, um, perfect in this moment for you. Uh, she's got the. She's got a great style about her, and she can do that pretty. You know, two camera. It works really well. Uh, okay, so Jane, uh, last thirty seconds. Things are looking up. Things are looking mixed in Colorado. I mean, we're dealing with this incredible Biden administration with so many things wrong. You know, you, your typical Phyllis Schlafly uh, uh, eagle. You're, you sound optimistic, but it doesn't feel optimistic when you think of all this stuff. What What's Colorado's future? Lauren Bobert. <laughs> Other, we have, you know, we're going to have the governor's race and the Senate race. We don't have a viable candidates. Why put a sheep to the slaughter? So we're going to really focus on Lauren to get her reelected in that the Democrats are planning on sending in a plane load of money to get rid of Lauren because, you know, she's got to be over the target. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly. All right. Jane Schindler, thank you as always. Uh, uh, great. Uh, her Jane and her husband, Jim, have been at it for almost 45 for 50 years in, in Colorado. Thanks, Jane. We appreciate it. Well, thank you, Ed. I appreciate the time. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I've been looking forward to talking to this woman for a while about this movie. The movie is called The Plot Against the President. The book, which was by Lee Smith, was good enough, really good. The documentary is extraordinary. I watched it on Amazon Prime. It's available other places. Her name, of course, people know it, Amanda Melius. She's a rising star in film and documentary and just everything she does. And she's with us. Welcome, Amanda. How are you? Hey, Ed, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to join you on the uh, the same day as Lee. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was earlier today. I would mention to her off the air. I was talking to Lee Smith, the great author of this, and uh, someone he, he's. I, I love talking to him because he's very wise. He's one of those guys that's. I don't even. I don't, I've only been in his presence maybe twice, you know. But I just call him and I say, "Hey, what about this?" So, Amanda, before we get to your movie, I want to ask you this question: the, What happened? You know, when I look, when I watched your movie, I thought she showed us what really happened, and it was very powerful. And when you look at what is happening with the media, I. I call it the narrative machine, big tech, big media and big government kind of pushing a narrative uh, regarding January 6th. Do you, you know, it, it, can you envision, do we need a book like Lee wrote? Can you envision a documentary like you did to explain what really happened? Because man, I feel like we're getting shoved a narrative. Doesn't it feel like that? Yeah, it definitely feels like that. 
That's exactly what I said. Something like that. I didn't obviously have any idea what what they were going to do. But even uh, in December, I remember talking to people. And when it became clear that the election was going to go down in the way that it did, um, I said, you know, next up is going to be some kind of narrative swing that's going to be so big and powerful that they're going to hope it distracts from everything that just happened. And that's, I didn't know it happened that soon, but, uh, but it did. And, you know, I, I have a weird perspective on this. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of material made about the last four months, three months, let's say. So you could, you could take the whole election, um, narrative all the way up through the six and this, you know, un, unarmed insurrection, as it were. Um, and all of this, all this stuff. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of content coming out about it. I personally am going to wait because I don't feel like we have enough information. I'm, if I did, if I ever did any kind of content on this topic, I don't think I'd feel comfortable doing it for another year. And I think that's kind of why Plot Against the President works in a way is because even though the story continued to unravel around us and continues to this day, there was a story arc there that was tellable, that was in, you know, that mm-hmm. I felt extremely yeah. secure about. I mean, we have to be careful on our side because the way, basically, we're not allowed to make any mistakes. If we say or yeah. put out anything <laughs> yeah. that is even the slightest bit questionable, we will have discredited the, the, the truthful version of events, which is really, really important. So I'm just very cautious at this moment, I guess, which is weird because I'm usually, usually very rare. But anyway, so that's, that's kind of how I feel about yeah. it. Yeah, it's an absolute, it feels like an absolute narrative circus, but because yep. the tornado is still spinning, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm staying. Well, and, 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 yeah. And, and let me, and, and this is why you're so valuable as a professional, because I, 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 th- I feel the same way in the sense that you can't, you, you can't do it wrong. If you, if the, our side, meaning conservatives, if you do it wrong, you lose it forever. You sort of get boxed in. So you got, you got to really, and, and what I tell people is a lot of times we run out and say, here it is. I'll give you a quick example. And I love her. I love Sidney Powell. I mean, I believe in her I'm, I, but the venezuelan whistleblower when that was floated and then there's no venezuelan whistleblower i've ever seen you sort of lose the ability to be credible uh, on the question and, and i i feel the same way about uh, all these things you've got to really understand the game that the sort of media the 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 big tech game and and it doesn't mean you still won't get your your teeth kicked in you probably will but you at least got don't don't offer your teeth before <laughs> they can get to it so now let's get to your thing the plot against the president um how did you it's it's worked for you it's very successful and yet it is conservative how'd you beat the sort of system because usually they want to make these things marginal right and make them sort of disappear it it feels like maybe i'm wrong but it feels like it's my friends some that aren't even political particularly you know guys like from college that are just working and all they saw this one and they're and they're blown away by it so how'd you do that well, part of it, uh, thank you for saying so. I mean, I'm glad that it, I'm glad that it works. I mean, look, part of it is, um, my background in working in yeah. independent film and distribution and, and, and stuff like that for a long time before I went into politics. Um, it was a lot of planning and kind of guessing how, how we could do that, how we could arrange the distribution so quickly, um, to make sure that it reached the widest possible audience. Um, part of it is that and, and some of the things that I know about these different platforms and why we would 
interact with some of them and not with others. Um, uh-huh. But it's also a lot of luck. I mean, I have to be honest that all of the sort of strategies that I was going to try to see if we could get this in front of America, <laughs> you know, at the time that we yeah. did, um, the press strategy, yeah. the word of mouth strategy and the distribution strategy to have it out on those four platforms, um, including Amazon, um, that actually worked, you know, and it, and it, it didn't, yeah. that wasn't necessarily going to happen. And a lot of it was luck. A lot of it was the, the relationships that I've built well, either in the film industry or I know, in but political I, press. I know, but I, I'm just, I'm sorry to talk over you, but I mean, people that are really good and talented, then they say luck. I mean, it's kind of like, you got to be really good and talented and know the game. You kind of make your own luck. I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. I also believe in divine intervention and all. And by the way, we're talking with Amanda Melius and uh, on Twitter at Amanda Melius and She's on all the platforms, but also I want to make sure to, to tell people, go to P-A-T, Plot Against the President, P-A-T-P, the Plot Against the President, movie.com, P-A-T-P, movie.com. You can you can get watch it there. You can also, I got it on Amazon Prime. Um, how do you, now you look at it, you know, you're a filmmaker, and so you look at it after the fact. What would you do different? Anything? Um Oh, absolutely. I, I would do a lot of things differently. I mean, we did that in under 100 days. And I don't know, maybe <laughs> wow. that that forced us to make decisions really quickly. And so you really are forced to go with your gut. And when you're trying to get something that's five hours long down to 90 minutes, you don't have time to be super, you know, precious about it and sit mm-hmm. there and be like, well, I don't know, this seems nice or this works. Or that, that. You just have to cut it. And that actually made it really good. That's why it's so fast paced and why it's just the, the stuff that you you need to know, um, which I think is important because movies really hurt themselves by just frankly being too long and like, you know, beating a, a point too hard. Um, and what I what I would do, however, is it was a little extreme. I mean, I would certainly have liked to have had, I mean, probably double the amount of time uh, to be able to really you know the next let's just put it this way the next the next project we're scheduling we are not scheduling on that schedule like we are scheduling it for a normal amount of time and even yeah. even our normal time is really fast for documentaries i mean there's documentaries that were you know usually they could they can take anywhere from like two to five years like it's it's right. very unusual right. to get something like that out the door in under 100 days so i i would definitely spend some more time also it's um there's a couple interviews that we weren't able to um, include either for legal reasons uh. or whatever. I I think we'll probably put some of that stuff out in the um, we're probably going to put out a serial version, which is like the long version of the movie, but in a in a series yeah. of episodes. So that's that's soon to come. We're just finding a home for it. <clears throat> Uh, Amanda Millius, who we're, who we're talking to in the book, uh, the movie is called The Plot Against the President. It's really, really compelling. I mean, and I knew a lot of stuff there, but it's really, uh, you, when you read it, as I said, again, my buddies from college are a good test because half of them are conservative, half of them are, no, half of them are conservative, a couple of them are liberal, the other ones don't pay attention much, but and they all watch, I sent it to them, they all watch it, and, and everybody's like, whoa, I didn't know any of that. Now, Amanda, um, the, the, but were you, when you dug into it and you did all these interviews, I mean, Again, you're a professional communicator. Uh, uh, you came out of the world to understand this stuff. Um, are you, even you must have been like, holy cow, look what they did. Like, I mean, this isn't oh, yeah. small stuff. It's not like they, it's not, it's not the plot against the president of the local, uh, you know, union or the school board, right? I mean, it, it must have kind of blown you away. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was some stuff that, I mean, we haven't even put in the movie for various reasons, but there's most of it's in there. But there was interviews that I left and I was like, I don't even feel comfortable having this footage in my house. And we would just sort of disperse it in a couple different locations um, because I was like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want I don't even want this here. I mean, there's there's stuff that. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I thought I knew, you know, I mean, I was friends with mm-hmm. a lot of these people. I was in the administration for three years. Um, I didn't really think there was that much that I didn't know, but there is. And I think it's really, uh, it's really creepy because it confirms your worst suspicion. And I think, uh, you know, and, and, and when you say a lot of people are watching it, I mean, that's one of the things is when you tell people the truth, it resonates with them. And that's why a lot of people who are on the fence or maybe not necessarily right wing, um, when they actually sit down and watch it, it changes their minds. It it really does. Actually, when I because I, I read Lee's book and I was like, okay, uh, wow. And then I thought, well, I'm going to watch a documentary. It's going to be like. And I, when I was done the documentary, I was like, Carol, my wife, I, you, you got to watch this. We watched it at like two in the morning one time, and and she couldn't believe it. I mean, it was it's so. And and she's she's conservative. I mean, she's with she knows most of the stuff I know, but she was like, holy cow. And same thing with my sister in law. I mean, anyway, it, it really worked. All right, because I'm running out of time. We're talking with Amanda Emilius now. I need to ask you this one. You're going to love this. I read about your dad. He's famous as a screenwriter. Okay, so everybody kind of knows that John Milius. But here's what I wanted to say. Why don't you do a documentary? He I read that he was a huge surfer and so is mm-hmm. General Flynn. I went to visit I went to visit General Flynn. He still surfs. He's like 62 years old. So I think you should do a surfing like movie about conservative surfers. What do you think? <laughs> I'm just kidding, but I mean, no, I isn't we'll, that isn't that crazy? We'll put it in the uh, we'll put it on the list. Um, yeah, no, it's totally <laughs> wild. Um, I was actually well, the thing that I was talking, I was trying to figure out if General Flynn had seen Big Wednesday because Big Wednesday is my dad's surfing movie, and anybody from that generation, from sort of you know General uh-huh. Flynn's like my dad's like that whole that whole period, um, it's about their time uh, in on the West Coast surfing and it's a really um you know it's about like camaraderie it's like a really really important time in his life um yeah you know we may have to we may have to polish (laughs) off the uh the uh conservative surfing movie i mean i feel like that would probably do pretty well it would it'd be pretty funny. I mean, and the funny, the thing we really smile is now that you've been so successful, everybody you've ever met has an idea for a documentary, right? Every or a movie. They come to you now, I bet, and they say, "Hey, Amanda, I got this idea," and you must be like, "Oh my gosh, this is my best friend from grammar school, and I just don't know how to tell her." I this is right. I mean, everybody has an idea for a movie, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's true. I've been hearing this uh, stuff, like ideas for scripted movies for a long time, because obviously, like, my dad has been in the film industry, so people are always giving us stuff. You know, I don't mind, because frankly, our production company is, you know, going to be making a lot of projects in the next few years, and you never know um, what idea is going to be the thing. And I mean, a lot of people could have been rejected because of their political affiliation or whatnot, so... We're always happy to look at stuff, but you know we're we're chugging away on the next few projects, and um, for the moment we've got those set up. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's always it's always interesting to hear, you know. General Flynn on a surfboard, I'm telling you, could be really huge. Anyway, sorry to bother you with that one. Amanda Emilius, uh, congratulations on the movie. And again, I'll put it up on social media. The plot against the president, it's really, really good. And, and don't people should not think that's past. They should watch it to understand what's happening, where we are, because not much has changed. In fact, in some ways, what's changed is some of the players that did this are now in the White House, for goodness sake. So exactly. thank you, that, Amanda, that for... Actually- yeah. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a very great point. And I, I definitely want to draw people's attention to that. It is super relevant yeah. right now, especially when you look at this current White House. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, thanks, Amanda. I appreciate it thanks, very much. Sir. Amanda Melius, everybody. Yeah, it's great. We'll talk, we'll talk again soon. And we got to take a quick break. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Sponsored by Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this broadcast continues the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly and stands against forces that mock traditional values, slander America, and redefine the family. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. President Biden is determined to make your commute as much of a nightmare as he possibly can. Not only did he sign executive action to make gas prices go up, but he's also taken action to raise the price of buying a car. This price hike comes in the form of radical increases to the national fuel economy standards. These standards were first established in 1975 when alarmist scientists believed America was running out of oil. Sadly, the regulations did not end when the panic did. Since that time, private car manufacturers have been required by law to spend untold millions of dollars making sure you get a certain standard of gas mileage from any new car you purchase. That might sound great, but studies have shown that the money you save on gas will never outpace the extra money you spend on the car in the first place. In short, consumers get the short end of the deal and car manufacturers don't do much better. President Trump wisely rolled back an Obama-era policy to increase fuel economy standards by 5% every year through 2025. President Biden reinstated that Obama policy, which is estimated to cost Americans an extra $3,000 on any new car they buy. If you aren't a new car buyer, you'll still be affected. As fewer and fewer consumers can afford to buy the overpriced new cars, more will look to the used car market, thus pushing prices up across the board. Democrats claim to care about the poor and the middle class, yet they see no problem raising the prices of new and used cars by thousands of dollars. Is Joe Biden so out of touch that he doesn't see who will be hurt worst by his policies? The poor people who just need a car to get from point A to point B are going to be hurt by this government interference. If demand is up for more fuel-efficient cars, let the free market push companies to innovate. After all, whenever the government steps in to control the market, Higher prices and inferior products are always the result. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the best way to rekindle the spirit of Phyllis Schlafly and the grassroots movement she energized? In this digital age, patriots and pro-family Americans can find insight and inspiration on our website, phyllisschlafly.com. Then, share your own heart and mind on social media. So join us at phyllisschlafly.com and every weekday for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Those are long interviews. I went a little long. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. So listen, I got to uh, I got to pick things up here at the end. I got a text from one of our listeners. Actually, it was someone who listens to the show as a podcast. They said they went over to ProAmericaReport.com and listened to the show as a podcast or maybe one of the interviews. But they were listening on the immigration question. They reminded me of something when I've told you over and over again. I said this on a Periscope over at uh, Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin, or at Facebook, Ed Martin Live. I do these videos. And what I said today, I, I was I was clarifying uh, earlier today. I don't know when it was. When I was uh, whenever I was doing it, I would say this. I was trying to say really quick, really tight, what's going on at the border? 
And here's what I came up with. The Biden policy intentionally empowers organized crime, the cartels, to exploit underaged boys and girls. That's what they're doing. Because the message from the Biden administration is regularly, if you come and you're underage, you will be let in and you will be, you will find a path to being able to get in the country and we'll figure it out later. So what's happening? The cartels are saying, hey guys, if you want to get up here, want to get close, send the kids and they're charging that. And so organized crime, the cartels, exploiting boys and girls, a lot more girls are sexually trafficked, but there's boys too, but it's just a terrible system. And it's the cartels. Organized crime subsidized by the Biden policy to exploit underage kids. That's what's happening. Well, anyway, I got a text from one of our listeners and they said, hey, do you remember this? And I, and I had not, I had not remembered it, but then once they said it, I did. The, um, cartels are actually using wristbands. You know, like the wristbands when you go to like, uh, to an amusement park and they give you a wristband, you know, a color coded wristband for either the rides you're going on or for the section of the park you're allowed in or what day. They're actually using those kinds of wristbands, the cartels, to manage the flow of the illegal you know, or whatever. They're not illegal yet because they're on the cartel side, but the, the, the people that want to get to America are being managed by the cartels through wristbands. I mean, th- th- again, this is not, the cartels are not like, um, these guys aren't shoplifters. The cartels are not shoplifting the 7 Eleven. They're running organized crime, drugs, sexual exploitation, I'm sure guns, I'm sure everything. That's what's happening. So thank you for that uh, reminder. All right, we got to go. Thanks for listening. Go please visit ProAmericaReport.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our great technical director, and to Joanna for booking our guests. We'll be back next week. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Have a great weekend, everybody. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer, San Diego.